0: Are you happy? Good. You seemed a bit subdued this morning. It was very quiet for you guys, so I didn't know what was going on. Is everyone still asleep? That's the glory. It's always a good, it's always good. I grew up with um, uh, watching cowboys and Indian movies. Anyone else? Love them. You're still your favourite cigarette, and um, but I was always a bit confused because I could, you know, the Indians would come along, or and they would either be meeting each other, or they'd be meeting the cowboys or whoever the cavalry, you know, and they would put up their right hand and say, "How," <laughs> and um, or they would say, um, "Peace." Actually, how means I found out later means hello, peace. So it's the same kind of deal. How's it? How's it? Yeah, you South Africans say, so. how's it? And so it's peace. How? And so as a kid, I, was, I couldn't figure it out because they would come up and they would greet one another and they would say peace, and then they would say how, and I'm just kind of thinking, okay, how peace. Because somewhere in the movie they would always end up fighting each other. And I'd always get a bit confused. But it's a very valid question. Um, peace, how? How do you live at peace? How do you live in peace? Because a lot of people, they're not at peace. And we live in a world that is largely in turmoil. You know, Um People fighting with each other. People desire peace. They want peace. Paul writes this in in the book of Romans. He says, uh, what happened? He says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And then he says this, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. That means that that true peace is dependent on more than just one person. It requires a partnership. It requires um, agreement. And everyone wants peace. But sadly for some, many people are confused as to what peace is or how to get, uh, how to find peace. You know, I said before, we live in a world of turmoil. You've got governments imploding, you've got uh, wars, you've got rumours of wars, you've got civil unrest and protests. People are told just protest anything these days. Um, You've got political unrest, social unrest, economic unrest. Yet what people are desperately looking for is peace. We all want peace. They, they look for it. They, they search for it. They want to manufacture it. They hope to get it. And so, so for people who are living in, in countries that are in turmoil, they think, well, if we just move country, you know, if I just emigrate, if I can just get to another place, then I'll find peace. Other, pe- other people look for peace in, in financial security. So if I can just get stuff, if I can become more financially secure, I'll have, an, I'll have peace. You know, the more I get, if I can just get what I want, then I'm going to have peace, and yet the, the, the reality is that none of those things bring it in a real inner peace. Some people search for it in religion, you know, and, and in particular, um, it's why I think it's one of the reasons that we've seen the rise of Eastern religions over the years, because because they offer a form of um, meditation and, and all, everything else that goes with that to to bring an inner peace. That's that's what they're all about. And yet the reality is, over time, people, people end up realising it's not actually satisfying that inner need that I have. I haven't got that inner peace. Um, everyone craves for inner peace. Some people think the only way you can get it is to destroy anyone who opposes their version of peace. Um, I, I think... I think a lot of the whole political correctness stuff that goes on and all the virtue signaling and everything else that goes with it actually has very little to do with equal rights and fairness. I think most of that is actually a cry for acceptance because there's an inner turmoil that's going on. People don't have an inner peace. And, and I think that's evidenced by the fact that you know, despite all the concessions that are often, often given to people who are crying out for this, they're still not satisfied. They still have inner, an inner turmoil that's going on. And so, so we're going to demand that you actually acquiesce to our version of peace, of the things that we think are going to give us peace. And so they'll enact laws and then prosecute people. You know, we're going to make you a social pariah if you don't actually bow down to our sense of need and acceptance. People struggle with that all the time. There's no real sense of peace. There's an inner emptiness and an inner turmoil. Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, he says this, It's embedded in every single human being, the knowledge of the existence of God. Whether people uh, acknowledge that or not, it doesn't matter. It's in every single person. And I think the reason that people deny it is because they know that one day, see, see this, they know their life is finite. They know they are mortal and they know that one day they're going to come to the end of their life and when they die they're going to have to face a holy and just God. And so because of that, that realisation they will either deny that there is even a God, they'll try and look for alternative things, they'll make every other kind of excuse, they'll, or they'll get themselves really busy with other stuff, to try and block out that inner voice, actually, that's in every single person, that says, one day I'm going to have to face God. And so they struggle with this, with this inner turmoil. This, there's no real deep-seated peace. They have a fear of the future. I think what this world desperately needs, folks, is a revelation of Jesus and his kingdom of peace. Amen. This is what Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. There shall be no end. You know, there's some 430 verses in the Bible that talk about peace. Over half of them talk about you losing peace. Stuff that comes along, and and, and you can lose your peace. You can lose that sense of peace. Um, there's there's almost a hundred verses that talk about you bringing an offering of peace. But that's all got to do with the old covenant system of you trying to appease God. You know, you you had to bring an, an offering. And uh, that had to be sacrificed in order for you to be at peace with God. But that was only ever temporary. Good news of the gospel is that when Jesus came, all of that changed. He came as the Prince of Peace. An everlasting peace. A peace that has no end. Paul writes this to the church in uh, Thessalonica. He says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. Who wants to live with peace? Not just peace around you, but actually total perfect peace within you. You know the situation that was going on here with, um, with this church? Um, Paul, Paul the Apostle went there, he planted that church. He actually went there from Philippi. You remember that story where there's an earthquake, he's in jail, there's an earthquake, he gets out. Uh, the jailer and his whole household get saved. There's a church that gets planted. And then he leaves and he goes to this place. But he's only there for three weeks. Plants a church, teaches them, and then he gets run out of town by people who don't want him there. And he has to leave. And, uh, and so he, he, these guys are going through a hard time. This is maybe a year later. He writes a letter to them because he's heard that these guys are now in confusion because they think Jesus has returned. And they're all scared because they think oh, they got left behind. And so they're under persecution, that people are wanting to kill them, imprison them, and then internally they're confused about what's going on. So he writes to them and he says, May Jesus give you all peace in every situation. I don't know about you, but I, I need peace. Yeah? I mean, there's stuff that comes against me just like it comes against you, and you can, you can, you can lose your peace Quickly, actually, you can lose it quickly. You know, there's times when my um, my patience gets tested. I don't know, you're all very patient people. <laughs> so it's not an issue for any of you, um, but it's an issue, has been for me. <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel pressure just like everyone else. I feel sometimes like chaos is just about to break out, you know. You can feel like the whole world is against you. You can feel like every demon is camped at your front door trying to break it down. Um, you know, I need the peace of God. There are times when, when I know it is the same for you, where you start to question God. God, what's going on? You know, um, why isn't something happening? Why isn't that person getting healed when we see that person getting healed? Why, why don't we see everyone get healed? Why don't we see everyone full of joy? Why don't we see everyone just feeling the presence of God? Why don't, why, don't, why don't we feel God all the time? What's wrong with me? And if you don't know how to hold on to Jesus, how to hold on to his promises, his declarations over you, you will lose your peace very quickly. Who's ever experienced that? Yeah. If we don't know how to hold on to Jesus, if we don't know how to actually live in the reality of His promises towards us, you will lose your peace. Paul says in t- all times that you may know God's peace, no matter what, no matter what situation that you're in. You know, for kids who are who are, who are about to enter high school and they're all nervous about it. there's a whole new group of friends, there's a whole new system that they've got to walk in, they can know the peace of God. For someone who's leaving school or leaving university and about to enter the workforce, and they're nervous about what that holds, you know, they can know the peace of God. Maybe, maybe you've lost your job. or Maybe things are really difficult in your workplace. I want to tell you, you can know the peace of God. I often think, you know, we've got a number of retired people here, you know, and I'm not quite there yet. Although we're moving towards that, I don't know if I can ever retire. I don't know. (laughs) No, but the prospect, you know, I I, I know that goes through many people's minds that you get to that point in your life where, okay, I'm 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 about to retire. What? And that's a whole new life, and that can actually hold some fear. Some concern. People can get anxious and worry about that. For the mother, who, for the expectant mother who's who's carrying a baby in in, in their womb. The excitement of of motherhood is is fantastic, but there can also be some anxiety about that coming birth. In every situation, no matter what, and at all times, Paul says we can know peace. We can know peace. Peace. When people get sick or ill, or, or you know, for I mean, we keep celebrating at the moment. Farnus's amazing, miraculous healing from a year ago, diagnosed with serious cancer, and that was you know just just over a, a year ago, and uh, la, a year ago last week, yeah, and here he is, completely, totally healed. Completely. That's something to celebrate. But the worry and the anxiety that comes when you first get that diagnosis, you see, if you don't have a promise, if you don't understand who Jesus is and what he declares over you and what he can do, you can lose your peace very quickly. But when you know the power that is in Christ, then when you know that he wants to release it into your body, like he did with Farnas, like he's done with a number of other people in this place, there's a peace that comes. That we can know. What is peace? What's true peace? Well, the dictionary says it's calm, it's quietness, it's the absence of turmoil, it's freedom from war, it's harmony with people. Now, most of those definitions concern um, an outward peace. But the Bible gives us a slightly different definition. It says that peace is the state of harmony that is available to believers through having a a right relationship with God. And it is especially associated with the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says in Romans. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 14 verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, if he's not active in your life, if you don't know who he is, you'll never know true peace. See, the kingdom is a progression. We all want to be joyful. We all all want to be happy, but you can't know joy unless you have peace. And that peace comes because you know that you're right with God. If you're not right with God, you won't have peace, true peace, and you won't. Experience joy. Who wants to be happy? <laughs> Have you got peace? <laughs> Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter writes this: Luke was talking about Peter the other just, just earlier, how he got out of the boat, walked on water. Can you imagine <laughs> when he started to sink afterwards? The worry, the anxiety, the, t- you know, the inner, t- ah, this is, I'm going to die. But he, when he puts his eyes back on Jesus, he just starts walking on water again. All that anxiety, all that worry just left. If we keep our eyes on him. This is what Peter says. He says, I'm a servant and apostle of Jesus. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace. And peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. In abundance. In abundance means more than you need. Overflowing. Peace that overflows in your life so that actually people see that you are walking in that peace, you're walking in that joy, you're walking in that confidence and it overflows onto them. That's a powerful thing. He goes on and he tells us how it's possible. He says, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of this world. To walk in the divine nature of Jesus. To walk with the power of Jesus. How do you do that? Through his promises. If you don't know them and don't believe in them, then the benefits of that don't come to you. And that includes the peace of God. Look at what he says. Through, ah, where is it? We've received a faith as precious as ours. Peace, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I think maybe it was a verse we read earlier in Romans where it says, as we trust, as we trust in Jesus, as we trust in his promises to us, then you'll walk in the reality of those things. It's one of the things that I check myself with all the time. When worry comes, when anxiety comes, when, when I feel like, man, it's like, all oh, hell's going to break loose. And sometimes you can't control those, those things. Sometimes you can't control them, but you can control your response to them. And you can control how that affects you. How do you do that? If I find that I'm getting anxious and worried all the time about that stuff, I, I, I know one thing for sure. I'm actually not trusting. And when I come back into that place of trust, the first thing that starts to come is peace. Is peace. What a wonderful promise that we can live with the peace of God. Divine power from heaven. Peace is not just a quaint little word, folks. It's something that has power. Do you know that Jesus... um, Let me just get rid of that. Jesus was a man of peace but he wasn't a peacetaker he wasn't a peacetaker to many he was the agent of peace and yet to other people he seemed like a man who just came to inflict um, conflict you know incite, incite conflict in fact in fact, Jesus said this, and it was a confusing verse for me for a while. In Matthew chapter 10, he says this, Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth, but I've come to bring a sword. That's a confusing verse because in the Gospels we, hear, we read the story. When, when, when Jesus was born, all the angels are there, this angelic choir that appears to, before the, 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 the shepherds. It says, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. That was because Jesus was coming. We read it right at the start. He's the prince of peace. So he comes to bring peace. He's the prince of peace. The announcement of all of heaven is the one of peace is coming to bring peace to you. And yet Jesus stands and says, "Um, look, guys, don't expect me to bring peace. Isn't that contradictory? You see, people were looking for political peace. You've always got to know the context. You've got to, got to always look at what Jesus is actually saying and who he's saying it to. People wanted political peace. They wanted, they wanted a, a, a Messiah to come who would actually stand up politically, lead them politically and militarily and get rid of the Romans. Because that, their, their, that was their perspective. That's what they wanted. That was their version of peace. When you just get rid of the Romans, we're going to have peace. And so for a lot of people, they were very disappointed in Jesus because he didn't bring the kind of peace that they were looking for. He came, but here's the reality, folks. He, 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 he came with a sword, but it wasn't a physical sword. He came with the sword of truth. Truth sets free. And so he came with a sword of truth that when people receive truth, that truth set them free, and what did they receive? Peace. So he did come as the Prince of Peace, and he does bring peace, just not the kind of peace that people wanted. How many of you know, folks, that the gospel is good news, but it's also confronting? It's good news, but it's confronting. And some people don't like it. You know, I've I got friends in Indonesia, and I know when, when they got saved, when they, when they came to Jesus, they got kicked out of home. Their families disowned them. I'm talking about people in their teenage years, some of these. They get just thrown out on the street because they chose to believe in Jesus. Now, how many of you know that, that the circumstances weren't very peaceful? That's a tough gig when you're a young kid. You know? They didn't, they didn't have external peace. But I'll tell you one thing that they did have was an internal peace that empowered them and then enabled them to walk through the external chaos. David writes, he says, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. How could he say that? Because he had an inner peace. He had an inner peace. Jesus said this, Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers... For they will be called sons of God. Peacemakers, not peacetakers. And you can be a peacetaker in a few ways. You can, you can rob people of their peace. How I mean, if you know that's true? You know, people come into your life and, 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 and everything's rosy and all of a sudden something, they've, robbed, they've robbed you of your peace. And you get anxious and you get worried and there's turmoil there. But you can be a peace taker by just taking the easy road of compromise. You know, uh, just, just let it go. Just, there's a time to do that. It's time to be wise, not get into a fight you don't need to get into. But sometimes, you know, folk, if we submit to an ideology that is against God just to try and keep the peace, you take that easy road, that's, that's just being a peace taker for my own sense of ease. That's not being a peacemaker. And we're called to be peacemakers, to actually bring peace into a situation of turmoil, or more importantly, to bring peace into the life of people where they're struggling. Bring peace. Look at this. Jesus said this: As you enter a home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. Now, that's that's not some quaint little Jewish saying. Yeah, you walk into a home, say peace, you know, peace, man. <laughs> He that, that, it wasn't. It's not, it's not just a quaint little thing. Jesus has had just a few verses before been talking to the talking to them about the fact that he's given them authority to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to cleanse lepers, to even raise the dead. He's talking about he he he's given them spiritual authority, and in that context, he says you can go into a house and you can leave peace. It was, it was more than a quaint little thing. This was a spiritual thing where you can actually let the peace of God settle in a home when you walk in there. And if that's not received, he says, don't waste it. Take it back with you. If people reject that, just take it with you. There's a, there's a verse in Matthew chapter 7 that always confused me and it troubled me. Um, for, I just couldn't quite understand it or probably couldn't accept it. And, and it was this: it says, where Jesus says, Don't give um, to the dogs what is sacred. Don't cast your pearls before swine, before pigs, because they may take it, they may then reject it and trample it, trample, turn on you and attack you and trample you underfoot. And I always struggle with that thing: you know, Gee, that seems a bit harsh. You know, we've been entrusted with a message that we're actually meant to give. But I think what Jesus is saying, just be careful with what you do with that. We've been, we've been given a piece that we carry that you can actually deposit, deposit upon people and into situations. But he says, be wise with it. Don't waste it. If people reject it, just take it back with you. Now, I think, I think we need to be embracing of everybody. And I think we need to actually share the goodness of God with everybody. We don't, we don't you know, categorise people. And I think when Jesus, when God prompts you and it says, you know, even though that person has rejected you a few times, I want you to just keep chipping away. Keep sharing the love of God. Keep showing them how, God good, how good God is. And when the Holy Spirit just keeps saying, yeah, just keep persevering, I think we should. But, you know, there are other times when I've, you know, I've sat with people and I've, and I've shared the goodness of God, even with some Christians, where you try and show them the wonder of the new covenant and how God is not angry with them, that, that, that you know, he, he loves them. And, and it's all about what Jesus did. It's not about what they did or what they're trying to do. It's about, the, it's about Jesus' performance on our behalf, not our performance in trying to impress him. And some of those people receive it and it's worth just keeping investing into those people and other people reject it and they get angry and they get all self-righteous. You know, and you know that right now if I keep investing time with those people, I'm wasting my time. And so there's a, there's a place. We need to be wise. There's a place to actually release the peace of heaven into a situation. And there's a time when you know when it keeps getting rejected, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not throwing that away anymore anymore. I'm going to keep that and I'm going to entrust that to someone who will actually receive it. You with me? I hope that doesn't sound harsh, but that's what Jesus says. So I'm not going to waste my time. I'm going to to give you an opportunity and I'll do it again and I'll do it again. But at the end of the day, if you just keep rejecting that, I'm going to go to some people who actually receive it. We need to be wise. Because I want to tell you, if you're not, those people will steal your peace. And I've experienced that a number of times where I've kept persevering for that person's sake even though they're just virtually spitting in your face. And I keep persevering, keep persevering and then I lose my peace. This is not a quaint little saying. This is something that's incredibly powerful and God's entrusted it to us for our benefit but also when he gives it in abundance, that abundance is meant to overflow so that you have a tool to actually release. You've got something that you can release to others. That's why I think one of the reasons why we need to live in a place of constant peace so that it can overflow onto other people. Amen? Everywhere Jesus went, to those who received him, they received peace. But to those who rejected them, there came peace. No peace. And all they wanted to do was take a sword and kill him. Jesus didn't come to bring political peace. He came to bring us into peace with God. Into peace with God. There are five significant areas of peace. I'm just going to give you two today quickly. Number one is peace with God. If we don't have peace with God, you won't know inner peace. You won't have peace with others. You won't enjoy the kingdom because you'll always have this inner turmoil. The thematic reference Bible says this, God's ultimate provision of peace is discovered in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It is only through Christ that peace with God can be achieved and maintained. God's provision of peace came through Jesus. It came through his coming. It came through his teaching. It came through his ministry. It came through his death. Paul writes this in Colossians. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Through the blood of Jesus. He goes on and he says this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you By Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Don't know why that's jumped to the next line, but anyway. Isaiah 53, um, verse 5 says this He was pierced for our transgression, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Do you know that you have a right to be healed? to walk in healing, to walk walk with a healthy body, it's actually part of peace. Think about that. Paul's words to the Thessalonian church, that Jesus is able to give you peace at all times in every situation. It's very interesting here, when, when Isaiah writes these words, 700 years before Jesus was crucified, that he says, in that sacrifice, through the blood of Jesus, through his broken body, you can have peace in every area of your life, including your physical being, your physical body. That's good news. That's good news. Jesus, was, Jesus died, he was crucified, so we could be forgiven, But he was raised for our justification so that we could have peace with God. Paul writes this, Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. In which we now stand. If I'm not standing in peace, I'm not standing in grace. I'm not standing by faith. This world, folk, the prince of this world, the devil, wants you to fall. He wants you to fail. He wants to rob you of peace. And Paul says we are to stand. What are you standing on? I'm standing on the truth that I'm right with God because Jesus came and shed his blood so that I could have peace with God. Because we have peace with God, we are filled with that peace and joy as we trust him, as we trust him. And that peace is manifested by the Holy Spirit. He comes and He's the agent to release peace into our life. Jesus did everything He needed to do to bring us peace. We're at peace with God. but But the Holy Spirit comes to actually make that real in our life. Divine, supernatural peace. It's as we stand on the truth of His promises. It's the birthright of every believer. Every circumstance, we can know peace. It came through His resurrection. Uh, Luke, Luke used that illustration before when Jesus is walking on the water and they're all fearful and they think he's a ghost. And he says, hey, just peace. Don't worry about it, guys. It's, it's actually me. Do you know that happened again after Jesus was crucified and he, and he was resurrected and they hadn't yet seen him. They'd heard the rumours that, hey, there's a story going around that Jesus has actually been raised from the dead. Exactly like he said he would. But they're struggling with their belief and so they're afraid. And then Jesus suddenly walks into the room. Just walks in. He, suddenly he, he's there. He appears amongst them. You know, and, and some of them get, they're worried now. Just like it was on the water, they think they've seen a ghost. They're freaking out. What does Jesus say to them? Peace, guys. Peace. Peace. It's yours. It's yours. Peace be with you. So there's peace with God. If we haven't got peace with God, you won't know any other form of peace. And that's why people are running around all over the world trying to seek peace in all these other ways because they actually don't have peace with God. But when you come, when you have peace with God, that releases peace in every other area of your life. So the second one, we'll just quickly finish with this. It's this. It's peace with yourself. Peace with God will lead to peace with yourself. Lasting peace starts with God. It starts by receiving Jesus. But if you haven't come to the revelation and the understanding that, you've not, that your life is now intertwined and eternally hidden in the person of Jesus then you'll end up feeling like you're on a roller coaster and the Christian life will be up and down, up and down, up and down, rather than stable. And stable doesn't mean boring. Stable, actually, when you step into the fullness of the kingdom and the breadth and the wonder of what the kingdom holds for you is incredibly exciting. You know, To have the privilege of uh, of praying for a man who's been diagnosed with cancer and it's all through his body and then be able to lay your hands on him and see him healed, that's exciting. That's exciting. To be praying for people overseas. You haven't even had the chance to go and touch them, but you've been praying for them. Praying on the phone or sending emails and praying, and then all of a sudden you hear this cancer's just gone. You know? And we've had that very recently with that lady who had cancer in her brain, in her lung, in her esophagus, in her liver, and in her stomach. Healed. Folk, that's, that. that's not a boring Christian life. That's exciting oh yeah, but it didn't happen for me. It's not not all about you. (laughs) It's not all about you. It's about releasing the goodness of God into situations where people actually desperately need something more than you do. Amen? And here's the experience that many of us have had, is that when we do that, actually the things that we need, they just get met automatically. Met automatically. We, 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 we live in a selfish world. And it's crept into the church. Hello? Not me. Developing a security in your identity... I think it's perhaps the most important thing in your Christian walk. If you're not convinced of how much God loves you and how much he accepts you and how much he approves of you, you're going to go from moments of peace to times, extended times of anxiety and worry. You're going to go back and forth. Just vacillate one to the other, one to the other. That's not stu- that's, there's no stability in that. And I find Christians like that all over. And it's because they haven't understood that their identity is in Jesus and what he has done and his love and his acceptance and his approval of you rather than in your efforts to try and impress God. If it's about you and how much you're trying to impress God, you, I tell you what, you're going to lose peace. But you can live with lasting peace every single day when you understand his love. Jesus didn't just come to bring us peace with God. He came to bring us peace within ourselves. Folks, I'm, I'm I don't like those bumper stickers that say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. That was true. But it's not now. Because the Bible never refers to me. Once you're in Christ, it never refers to you as a sinner again, ever. You're a saint. You're a son or a daughter of God. You're his treasured possession. He has made you. Not you have made yourself. He has made you holy and blameless. He has made you perfect. He has made you. He has made you. You didn't do it yourself. He has made you. I want to to live with that confidence every single day of my life because I know when I do, you know what's going to follow me? Peace. 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 Surely and goodness will follow you all the days of your life. You know that's true, but you choose to live in the truth of it. If you don't believe that, What's going to follow you? Worry, anxiety, turmoil. But when you believe it, what follows you? Peace. When you know who you are in Christ. Amen? You will never have confidence and peace within until you know you are identified with Jesus. Look at this. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. Ephesians 1 talks about the way that God lavished his love upon you and I love the way that God, he qualifies that. He qualifies that statement because he knows that we are a bit slow. He knows that we are a bit stupid sometimes. And so in Ephesians 1, he says this, that he lavished his love upon us with all wisdom and understanding. In other words, God didn't make a mistake. He lavished his love upon us. And he calls us children of God. He loves us, folk. He loves us. We will never have confidence and peace within until you understand how much God loves you, and until you understand who you are identified with. You know water baptism, when, you go, when people get water baptised? That, that whole thing is about an, it's identifying with Jesus. But it's not just that. It's not me identifying with it's Jesus identifying with me. When Jesus was crucified, when he went on the cross, Paul writes in Romans, I was co-crucified with Jesus. I was co-buried with Jesus. I, co- I was co-raised with Jesus. And the one that we kind of struggle with is we, were co- we have been co-ascended with Christ. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians 2, he says we are seated in heavenly places. Do you know what else it says in, in Ephesians? And Paul says this, the same thing in Romans. And this one we struggle with. Because not only were we co-crucified, co-buried, co-raised, co-ascended, but Paul says we were co-glorified with Jesus. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's why I know I'm, I'm not a worm. Sometimes I feel like a worm, but I'm not a worm. No, God's made me his son. Not the son of God, a son. That should give us incredible confidence, folks. What does that bring? It brings an inner peace because you know you're at peace with God. Inner peace. You know, we... we. Um, I think we need to get more and more comfortable in our own skin. There's not another you on the planet. Some people say, oh, thank goodness for that. There's not another you on the planet. You are, you are absolutely unique. And that is by design. That's by design. God designed you that way. There's stuff that only you can do. And we question that. We think, oh, no, of course, there's a, a whole lot of people who can do the same as me. You know, um, Kevin was a mechanic. Oh, heaps of mechanics all over the world. But I couldn't do exactly what Kevin could do. And the same for every single one of us. You see, we can influence people in a very unique way that only you can do. That only you can do. You know, there are teachers in schools all over the world and and they can all be sitting there teaching the same thing, all the same facts, but it's done differently for every single person because everyone has something unique to offer. It's the same for every single one of us, folks. We identify with Jesus because he identified with us. My life is now hidden in him. And I love what Paul says. He says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. There's chaos out there, but there's peace in here. Jesus stands up when there's, in the middle of a raging storm and he says, peace be still. And the storm calmed out. How could he do that? Because he... Released the peace that was in him. He was the prince of peace, and he released that into that situation. Well folks, Christ is in you, and I'm in Christ. The prince of peace lives in here. That means I have an authority to actually release peace. Go into a home, I release peace. It's not received. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to deposit that somewhere else. An inner peace that we can carry. Our ability to fulfill the call of God on our lives is achieved by our ability to see ourselves as God sees us. There's the last scripture. Let's put this up. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. What is it to rule? Wake up. Is everyone sleeping? What is it to rule? When someone's ruling in a situation, what are they? Authority? Control? Control? It's the government of something. When you rule, there's a release of government authority. And Paul says, let the peace of God rule. in Let it have dominion. Let it have governance in your life. Let the peace of Christ. That means you have a decision. That means you have control. You have control to allow the peace of God to have control. Since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. folk. I want to tell you there's something about having a grateful heart that causes peace to rule. I think think Paul gives us... Just a couple of little clues here. Number one, we have have the option to make a choice to allow peace to rule. That's your decision. We live with a divine nature. We live with an authority in our life as we trust in the promises of God. Right, And it's, in our, it's through our knowledge, that's not head information, that's practical living experience of the goodness of God in our life that releases something in our life. And so we make a choice to allow that to come into our life and to actually rule. Amen? Peace. Be thankful. Be thankful. A grateful heart. God always responds to a grateful heart. And I think Paul's what he's one of the things he's saying is is is, as you are thankful, because he talks about singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, right? With gratitude in your hearts. And he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What sets free? Truth. The Holy Spirit can only use truth. Where do you get truth from? This word is truth. This word is truth. And the Holy Spirit can only ever use truth. He will only ever activate truth. He only empowers truth. He never empowers a lie. He empowers truth. And I think as we, as, we, as, we, as we learn to be grateful in every situation, you know, Paul says rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be cheerful. I'm going to be thankful. You know, he writes that from prison. What? <laughs> I don't know, but most of us, if we we're in prison, we would be grumbling and complaining big time. Paul just writes, he says, hey, be happy, guys. Be happy. It's all going to be cool. Be happy. Rejoice. Have a grateful heart. Have a thankful heart. And fill your heart with the truth of the word of God. Because the Holy Spirit will take that and he will activate it and you'll walk in a greater measure of peace and joy. Amen. Amen. So there's there's, there's three other areas of peace that we need to walk in, but we'll look at those next week. I hope you're living with peace, at least a measure of peace. At least a measure of peace. But the good news is that peace can increase. Amen? The more we walk in truth, the more you walk in peace. The more you walk in the promises of God towards you, the more you walk in peace. The The more you walk in your identity in Jesus, the more you will walk in peace in peace. Peace with God but an inner peace within yourself. Who's happy with who they are? We should be. Yeah, there might be some things we want to adjust and change but you should be happy with who you are. I'm happy with who I am. I'm not always happy with the stuff that's going on around me but I'm happy with who I am because I have peace with God and that peace has brought an inner peace. Amen? If you don't have that, you can have it. You can have it. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, that's the starting point. That's how peace comes. If you've never said, Holy Spirit, just have your way in my life, I choose to allow your government to come and rule in my life. If you've you've never done that, if you've never allowed the Holy Spirit to do that in your life, then I encourage you to do that. Do it. Do it today. Do it now. Do it this week. And you will begin to experience and walk in a greater level of peace, stuff that you've never known before. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the truth in it that can set free. Bless us as we go from this place today, Lord Jesus.